Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great start to your week. Now typically, the Unstoppable podcast is focused on talking with individuals who have wrestled and overcome life's challenges to do incredible things and ultimately become unstoppable in their lives. This week's podcast is going to be a little different than those in the past because this week marks my favorite time of the year. It's the week of the NCAA Wrestling Championships, starting on March 18th. So in honor of this special week, I'll be taking a break from our normal format and instead catch up with my ESPN commentating colleagues, Tim Johnson and Mike Cousins, and get their thoughts on the upcoming tournament, storylines, as well as some wrestlers and teams to keep an eye on during the tournament. If you've never watched this tournament, I highly encourage you to tune in and check it out. So again, this episode is dedicated to the NCAA Wrestling Tournament. However, next week, I'll be back to our regular episode format. And in the meantime, this will be the perfect opportunity to catch up on episodes you might have missed. And there's plenty of great episodes of former wrestlers who have shared their amazing stories with me. Like episode number two, from wrestling champion to Super Bowl champion with Stephen Neal. Episode number six, where I talk with my former head wrestling coach, Sean Charles, about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. In episode number seven, Helen Maroulis opens up about being the first female in U.S. history to win an Olympic gold in wrestling. And in episode number 11, I talk with my good friend and formal rival, Ben Kerr, about what it means to choose between being a victim or a victor. So many great episodes, and my goal is to have many more to come. So as always, thank you all so much for your listening, subscribing, sharing, and just for your support in general. And with that, let's welcome Mike and Tim to the show. What does unstoppable mean to you? Unstoppable is just a, is just a mindset and a way of life. I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. Relentless. I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish when I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset, being the best that I can be at every moment. I think there's nothing more powerful on earth than the human will. Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. You're listening to the Unstoppable Podcast with Anthony Robles, brought to you by Safe Streets. Please welcome today's special guests, Tim Johnson and Mike Cousins from ESPN. Hey everyone, before we start this episode, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor, Safe Streets. Right now, you can get a free doorbell camera and $100 Visa gift card from Safe Streets, an ADT authorized provider. Simply call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233. All right, Mike and Tim, how are you guys doing? Great to see you, Anthony, always. Awesome. Good to be back with you, Anthony. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you guys. It's been too long. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. I've missed hanging out and talking with you guys. Uh, just thinking about uh, your uh, life and, uh, and your inspiration gets me kind of fired up right in the day. So, I, I yes, I wish we need to talk more because you always fire me up, Anthony. I'm in the midst of my prep for the NCAA tournament. This is my favorite month of the year for sports. And, you know, we haven't been in the same building in a couple of years, but I always love and it happens every year where you scroll down to the bottom of a wrestler's bio and they say, my inspiration is Anthony Robles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, that's an honor. I love this sport. And you guys, I mean, just 
it's been such a pleasure being able to work with you the past couple of years, but last year was crazy. You know, it completely threw everything off track. And I wanted to ask you, Mike, I mean, last year we were days away from the national tournament, but due to the pandemic, the NCTA, unfortunately, they announced that the tournament was canceled. So after this year hiatus and coming back now, what, what's going through your mind of just calling this tournament again? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm still nervous a little bit on pins and needles of just thinking about, okay, let's make sure we get there because it was around this point last year where I remember I was out in my front yard picking up some sticks that had blown down from a storm and I got an alert on my phone that everything had been canceled for winter championships. And for all of us, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. So right, like on my computer, I'm, I'm pulling up my prep document and I'm through uh, eight of the 10 weight classes. I've got 42 pages of notes on individual wrestlers. So like all that stuff that goes into it, it just disappears. And I'm not even, you know, somebody who's stepping on the mat and putting my blood and my sweat and my tears into it. Last year was going to be such a big year for collegiate wrestling at the D1 level to go to a football stadium, an NFL stadium, and really get a shot to show how much, how many wrestling fans you could pack into one building because you know it's at capacity every other year. So that was a bummer for me for a chance for expansion for the sport where with the NCAA, it's planned out four or five years in advance who the host is going to be. So I think it was the opportunity for the sport to get that showcase that was the most disappointing last year that got missed out on. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned was, was the preparation that you do. And this year it had to have been interesting, right? Because there's only a couple matches that, that guys got to wrestle as opposed to in the past where I think average it's like, what, 30 to 40 matches per year. So uh, I, I know just going through getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament, I'm, I'm sure, Tim, you can relate to this as well, getting ready for the Big Tens. It's like you're trying to find these matches and see where the guys have improved from last year, how they've evolved their styles. But there's just so very little to come across this year because of the few matches. Yeah, you have to go on history more. And, you know, I just say, first of all, that's the first time I've heard Mike ever say he's nervous. If Mike's nervous, I'm nervous because uh, um, he said uh, he hasn't put the sweat and tears into it, but he also admitted he has right now 42 pages of notes and he's not even done because I just uh, am amazed at the, uh, um, the preparation as you and I both know that Mike has and ready. He and Sean Kenny both uh, as they prepare. And so it just uh, allows you and me as analysts to just watch the rest and and talk about the wrestling um, and um, and so it's easier but you know to just uh, build on what Mike was saying you know um, the thing I think about and um, still feel badly about our last year's seniors that really didn't get the opportunity I think of Colin Moore I think of Pletcher from Ohio State I think of uh, um, you know, um, Chenzo uh, trying to go back and maybe uh, get his, his third um, and uh, Mark Hall. Um, and um, I, I think of those guys that, that, that didn't get it complete, especially the guys that never got to the top of the podium like you. I mean, just imagine if that opportunity had been taken away on that particular year for you, Anthony, because I know what your mentality was. You knew you were going to win. You knew this was your year. And so anyway, um, I'm glad this is a free year this year. It gives a lot of people. That's another thing that's different this year is we would not have seen a lot of the freshmen um, uh, that are getting the opportunity to wrestle this year. And so we're going to see a few uh, that would have redshirted for sure and um, are now we're going to see at the NCAAs. So there's good, there's bad, and um, I'm excited just that we're here. It's going to happen, and that's very exciting. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you, Tim. I'm excited that it is just going to happen. And you know, there's been so many ups and downs this year because of the pandemic. You know, certain programs, they had to shut down during certain periods of the year. Uh, certain matches had to get canceled. But like you said, we're here. This is going to happen. So from your perspective, Tim, what does this tournament mean to the wrestlers and the wrestling community? Just just after that year hiatus, coming back, like you said, the freshmen are there now. I mean, I'm sure everybody's just chomping at the bit to get to that national tournament and just go at it. So what, what are your thoughts there? What have you seen just going through this season and being able to speak with some coaches? Well, my, my, first of all, my, my thoughts is my hat's off to the um, coaches and the athletes, the support staff, the administrators that just said, we are going to get there. And so, you know, that, uh, you know, being around the Arizona state uh, community, et cetera, they had to figure, I mean, you know, there's dead grass out in the, in the front of their apartments uh, because that's where they were wrestling, you know, I mean, and there's um, uh, basements that were made into gymnasiums and uh, furniture probably that's broken because they had to just find anywhere to, to work out because they couldn't go to their regular campus uh, workout facilities and so um, what went into it it's hard enough uh, mm -hmm. to get prepared and to get through a wrestling season this is unlike any other and so the testing every day the not knowing whether somebody was going to have to come in and then having to um, go into total isolation during the season several wrestlers um, and coaches had to go into total isolation and, and quarantine. So in the middle of, you know, in the Midwest, it was uh, for a couple of weeks, it was down below zero and they were bundling up and going out for runs because it was the only way to stay in shape while they were quarantined. And maybe their, their team was even wrestling, but they couldn't. And then there are some programs like, you know, Rutgers, uh, we haven't seen them wrestle since uh, January 31st and Iowa had to go on a hiatus and Michigan had to go on a hiatus in the Big Ten. And so just to get through, it um, took, well, it took a wrestler's mentality. And that's what the, the mindset of a wrestler is. Whatever the case, well, we never dreamed of the what it would take, but th they're making it through. And the other thought I would have is it means a lot to the wrestlers. And what I would say, and you probably saw at the Big 12, it did not affect, I do not believe, the product on the mat. They were so excited to wrestle, so excited to wrestle. The competition was great, but of course, not many uh, people, if any, in the stands. And thinking about what we missed out on last year, 45,000 at U.S. Bank, a football stadium, going to take wrestling to the, to the highest level. We'd never seen it before. That's disappointing. But now we're coming back and we're here, but we'll have very few fans. And so it makes what Mike and I and you have been a part of and the conference championships that were um, shown on TV and now the entire ESPN product uh, and package so much even more important because our numbers of viewers and the importance of the opportunity to view is uh, bigger than it's ever been. Absolutely. I'm so excited for you guys to be able to call this tournament. And you're, I know you're going to do a phenomenal job. And I think you made a great point about the wrestlers just being really just excited and chomping at the bit to be out there and competing. And I think one of the positives with, with what has happened is that going into this national tournament, most of their bodies, most of the wrestlers' bodies are actually going to be a lot fresher than normal, right? I mean, just when you figure not having to wrestle 30 to 40 matches, going through these injuries, these, these nicks and cuts, they're a little bit fresher mentally and physically. So I'm sure that this national tournament, there's going to be a lot of exciting matches, guys just fresh and eager to go out there and scrap. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting concept you bring up there because for some, that's really good. For others, they really need, uh, from a physical standpoint, uh, they're, they're used to the rhythm of uh, getting in a certain kind of shape in October and then starting to get in wrestling shape in November and then taking three um, uh, months to uh, peak at the right time. And for some, it really helps them physically from getting from not having injuries, from banging on your body. For others, I'm not so sure that uh, if they're not quite at their physical peak, what that means from the opportunity to maybe even get injured in a different way. Uh, but um, ultimately, there's a mindset that happens too. And um, you got to make sure your physical preparation and your mental preparation come together. And so, you know what? It is what it is. And so the champions are going to make it work no matter what. And it's a new deal this year. So there'll be some that brought it together, kept their brains and their bodies connected and did it right at the right time. And there'll be others that afterwards they'll look back and say, I never felt, I never figured out the rhythm because I was so used to another. Does that make sense to you, Anthony? Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But that's kind of the mindset of a champion, right? You have to adapt and overcome. I mean, you you don't always know what that uh, opponent's going to be, right? The bracket's going to change sometimes. Different challenges going to come out, but you have to adjust to it and rise to the occasion. Absolutely, hey, Anthony. To give you one really funny example, at 184 pounds, there's a guy who qualified, Dylan Ammerman, out of Lehigh. Who, looking at his stats today, he did not wrestle until the EIWA Championship, <laughs> and so he's a qualifier that way. So, like, that's an anomaly, but still. In, in, in talking to the coaches, I, I don't say I have any scientific numbers to it, but just from the matches that we did this year were some said, hey, it was it was, uh, you know, we rather would have had the full season. But other guys said from bouncing around to Midlands, to the scuffle, to Vegas, to just be able to lock in on your conference schedule. They like mm -hmm. that. Mark Branch at Wyoming said, hey, I'm an advocate for making us a one semester sport. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what the, if there would be a consensus on that, but it's certainly something that has probably garnered a little bit more discussion this year because so many people have been in the same boat. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what changes come after this year and the adjustments that are going to be made. And Mike, you know, as always, the goal is to put on the same great show every single year with, with the spectators, they're not going to be in the stands this year. It's going to be a different energy level. So, I mean, how does that affect you guys as you're going out there, you're trying to just call these tournaments and have that energy. Can you just talk about the adjustments that you've had to make and that you're going to make going to this national tournament? Well, for the majority of the winter sports that I've broadcast, with the exception of a duel uh, in uh, the University of Illinois with Tim, where we were the only people talking other than the coaches during the match, <laughs> uh, I've been broadcasting from my basement. So uh, I did wrestling, I did basketball, I did college football, a Pac-12 game actually from my basement. Um, so you really have to bring your own energy in that case. And I imagine it's the same for the wrestlers too, where you don't have that hometown crowd behind you. Or I, I say for me, my greatest sports memory as a broadcaster is the 2018 national championship when Penn State clinched the team title. I took my headset off because it was so loud in that building. I just wanted to experience it as anybody else would. Um, so my wife will tell me I'm in the basement and she could be on the top floor of our house. And she goes, I can hear you perfectly 30 seconds before it comes through the TV. So what I think is 100% on the year really has to be 150% coming out of me. So mm. I just have to bring a little bit more um, 
and, and that's what comes across. You know, and Shane Sparks doesn't need any energy on, on the Big Ten Championship, but <laughs> Shane is Shane is the ultimate exemplar of what it means to have energy in broadcasting. So you have to bring more than you think you might need to match the moment. Um, and it's a little bit different on the first couple days of coverage because you've got so much action going on relative to Saturday night when it's just two guys on one mat at once. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where you're just sitting there in your chair and you're so tense about it. Um, it's going to be it's going to be different this year because we're not going to be allowed to have handheld cameras on the floor like we normally would because of COVID protocols where we might have, you know, Quint is running to catch up with whoever just wanted is getting off the mat and there's a cameraman following him. So we won't have that. We'll have robotic cameras fixed in a lot of locations, both on the floor and then in the hallways off the floor as well hmm. in St. Louis. And then one new thing we're going to have this year, which will be kind of cool. It's new for our coverage of wrestling will be a camera that can look 360 degrees in the middle of the mats wow. and flies up and down at a height of about five feet. So that can give you a different perspective that we've never had before. Um, so it's an adaptation for our coverage where we're still going to have more than 20 cameras around the arena, uh, mm -hmm. but just trying to make the best of it where you can't necessarily have uh, personnel on the floor like we used to. Yeah, I hear you. That that camera angle, though, that sounds exciting. That, I think that's really going to pull in the fans. And I mean, guys, I know you're not going to be able to hear, but I'll be screaming for you here at home watching. So <laughs> just know there's going to be a ton of wrestling fans out there cheering and yelling at home at their TVs. But, uh, you know, I know. Another interesting aspect of the NCAA tournament is that while all the wrestlers are competing and they're battling for the individual national titles, there's also the battle for the team title going on. So what are you guys' thoughts on the team race? Who would you say are the teams that have a shot to win it all Like that we should keep an eye on for those who, who don't really keep track of wrestling? Well, for those that uh, don't keep track of wrestling, then they need to know that uh, from 1975 until 10 years ago, Iowa won 37 of those national titles, NCAA titles. So they didn't start winning until the middle of the 70s. And then they won most of them um, between then and 2010. And then, uh, me being a Yankee fan, see, we haven't won since 2009. That's, that's eons. I mean, that's unacceptable. And that's exactly what's happened with the Hawkeyes. They have not won in over a decade. They haven't won since 2010. And they were ready and poised to win last year, okay? And that was take opportunity was taken away from them. They'd gone an entire decade. The fan base, you can imagine, you beat a Hawkeye in the finals, Anthony, and um, you were not a very popular uh, person that <laughs> night. You were very popular because everyone except the Iowa fans were rooting for you. <laughs> and so you did have the majority of the people in the stands for your incredible victory over one of the best lightweights that the Hawkeyes have ever put on the mat, Matt McDonough. And so it was an incredible win on your part and you understand the fan base, but they have actually gotten tougher um, Ironman transferred from Missouri. He comes in and wins a conference championship at 141. Uh, they will probably qualify all 10. They had nine of them placed at the conference championship. And so the Hawks are soaring again. And I, I, they would have to stumble big time. And then Penn State, believe it or not, that pen is full of freshmen. They have like six freshmen, but you know what happens with freshmen and a whole bit. And so they and Michigan have some really good and Nebraska, and then there's Arizona state and Oklahoma state and Oklahoma and North Carolina state and Virginia tech. All we'll hear a lot about them, 
but they'll all be chasing Iowa from the start. And there's a big margin, um, I believe, that Iowa has to work with. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we get back to it, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. I believe there's an unstoppable spirit in us all, but sometimes that unstoppable spirit should be stopped at the door. That's why I've partnered with Safe Streets to help stop would-be intruders and porch pirates from ruining your day. Right now, unstoppable listeners can get a free doorbell camera and $100 Visa gift card with new system activation and installation. Let Safe Streets help protect what you value most. Reserve your free doorbell and $100 Visa gift card today. Call 844-980-SAFE or visit safestreets.com slash unstoppable. Yeah, I was definitely a powerhouse. And <laughs> I know, Tim, you mentioned about my championship match against Matt McDonough. I tell people, man, I, I've always been a Hawkeye fan. Coming out of high school, I was a huge Hawkeye fan. Actually, my first state title in high school, I have a Hawkeye hat on holding my championship bracket. So I, I've always been a huge fan. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really cool just to see them battle out with Penn State this year to see if they can take that team title back. But uh, I know just this year, I mean, it's been exciting because there's been some, like you said, some freshmen have come up and, and, and kind of come out of nowhere. And there's people who, wrestlers who catch fire at the right time. And so is there anybody like specifically that we should keep an eye on any individuals that you have seen just going through the big tens? Because I know watching the championships over the weekend, Ridge Lovett from Nebraska. I mean, I know he, he finished up as a runner up, but he was just really impressive defeating the number two seed and had a good match against Sammy Sasso as well. So are there any other wrestlers out there that we should keep an eye on that say, hey, they, they might have a shot to do something big, but they're not right really ranked high right now? Well, I will I'll focus on the Big Ten, and then Mike can uh, uh, focus on uh, the Big 12 and the, and the ACC, and you can talk about the Pac-12. But to your point there, um, I believe that uh, Ridge Lovett, who was at 133 a year ago, okay, and then he just started growing, could not beat out Chad Red at 141, although it was close. And then he's 149 at for Nebraska, just hadn't been settled. And coach said, would you wrestle there? And he says, coach, I'll wrestle anywhere. And uh, he just had a really great run um, beating the higher seeds and um, then um, contending and competing against Sammy Sasso uh, from Ohio State, who's just uh, he's an incredible wrestler. So Ridge Lovett uh, has Greco background. He's got some great throws and um, a young guy that uh, we need to keep an eye on. Penn State, uh, uh, again, for viewers that um, are viewing in. Uh, who did step in uh, in Iowa's place? Well, Penn State has won eight out of the last nine NCAAs that we've competed. Of course, last year's was canceled. So eight out of the nine years before, and then Ohio State had that other one. And those, that's who was shutting out Iowa. But it's been 13 years since anyone outside of the Big Ten has won an NCAA. Penn State has a, a freshman 174-pounder, Carter. I call him Cardiac Carter. Carter um, Storacci at 174, um, wrestled Kemmerer in the uh, finals and gave him a good match, but he is quite a competitor uh, and a freshman. And then I believe that uh, uh, Colton Schultz out of uh, uh, Arizona State is a freshman that needs to be uh, watched on who's going to um, contend for the title against um, Gable Stevenson from Minnesota. He's he's up there. Everybody's chasing him. And Colton Schultz, would you agree, is a freshman out of the uh, Pac-12 that everybody should be watching? 
Absolutely. Schultz is a stud and just watching him this year, I've been super impressed with just how poised he is out there on the mat. So I'm interested to see how he matches up against guys like Steve Sin and Mason Paris to, to go out there and, and compete at that national level. So, and two other wrestlers to really keep an eye on this tournament from ASU are Mikhail McGee at 133. He's a transfer from Old Dominion, which unfortunately cut its program, but he's got a ton of talent and can go deep into the tournament if he wrestles to his full potential. At 174, Trey Munoz is a freshman competing in his first NCAA tournament, and I've really enjoyed watching him wrestle this year. He's one of those guys that you you hate to have to wrestle against because he goes hard in every single position, and he really has a lot of potential to do well at the national tournament. I mean, there's Oregon State under first-year coach Chris Pendleton. They did really well this year. I believe they'll be sending six wrestlers to NCAAs, and I'm excited to see how they do not just in this tournament, but over the next few years because Pendleton's putting together a talented group. So it's going to be a lot of fun for me and wrestling fans to be able to see them compete against schools, especially against ASU in the Pac-12. And I absolutely have to give a shout out and well wishes to Paul Bianchi at 133. He's Little Rock Wrestling's first ever NCAA qualifier. So I'm so happy and so excited for him and that wrestling program. And speaking of programs, one program that I really would like to see do well at the NCAAs is Stanford Wrestling. Uh, there's been a lot of talk this year, and unfortunately, it's looking like their program is going to be cut after this year. I know they're fighting like crazy to uh, to try and keep the program, and so for those listening who want to support the cause, uh, you can go to keepstanfordwrestling.com to voice your support, uh, to donate, and just to keep up to date on the latest news. Because, I mean, Stanford, Stanford is sending seven wrestlers, seven qualified wrestlers to NCAAs, which is their second most in program's history. It's so sad because they have such a large amount of young, talented wrestlers on that squad. I've been in that position. I remember my freshman year at Arizona State, it was the summertime, like May. I'm standing on the airplane wing, washing my summer job, right? I'm washing this airplane, and I get a phone call from a reporter saying, hey, the Arizona State wrestling program's been dropped. What are your thoughts on this? And so I understand what these Stanford wrestlers are going through right now. They committed to this program. They wanted to wrestle all the way through. And so for that to be taken away from them, uh, I know there's a lot of emotions going through that wrestling program right now. So I'm interested to see how they show up at this national tournament, because I would love to see them do well and just make a lot of noise and hopefully get some more support behind them to to keep that program going. You know, I commend Mike um, for uh, he totally understands the landscape of uh, wrestling and he on a broadcast just from a from a person that's interested, but from a sports fan says, what is going on? You know, that um, they've raised over $12 million from outside, from alums to help mm-hmm. it going, and they're still going to drop it. I mean, uh, I don't quite understand that. And he posed the question to me, but uh, Mike, you certainly noticed that and um, uh, uh, as a story. Well, it's just so disappointing to see because I think a lot of athletic programs, when they do this, and especially this year with COVID, can can use that as a rationalization to do something that they had already wanted to do. And Stanford sponsors so many sports. They have so many rich donors. Like, you have the money to do it. You're finding reasons to not keep the sport. Fresno State just brought their program back. They're going to get rid of wrestling again. We saw in the past Old Dominion, Eastern Michigan, in recent memory, have dropped their programs and, you know, hearing the, the Stanford staff talk about what, what they've done with their program and, and the reason that the administration has said they don't want to keep it is because they want to try and change the diversity of, you know, incoming classes. But they've been able to bring in a lot of 
you know, non-white participants to the sport and people who are first in their family to go to college to bring them to, to Stanford wrestling. So it just doesn't always add up. If you go and find, this is on YouTube, Real Woods background and his story of how he got to Stanford and what he did just to get through high school wrestling to move across the country, you can't help but think like, this is somebody who should be supported by their school, who you should want to put up on, on a pedestal and say, this is a great example of what we want from a student athlete. And it's disappointing to see the way that it's going. I do have a question, Anthony. Can you tell me more about the plane washing and that summer job? Because that sounds cooler than any job. <laughs> Actually, it was a lot of fun. So I was a walk on Arizona State my first two years. So in order to make my, my tuition and cost of living, every summer I would work at Scottsdale and Sky Harbor Airport in the big hangars, and I would wash and wax airplanes. So basically I'd go to school all day, go to wrestling practice, and then once 6 o'clock hit and we were let go, I'd run to the hangars and I'd be in there till about 10.30 at night uh, cleaning these planes up. It, uh, it was those actually the pretty private cool. jets at Scottsdale. So those people, <laughs> I, bet, I bet you got some great tips, huh? <laughs> I, I wish I got the tips. No, I didn't get the tips personally, but hey, you know, for wrestling, let me tell you what, washing and waxing those airplanes, that was some, some great hand fighting muscle work right there. So <laughs> it definitely paid off for me. I do need to answer the, the query about guys in the, in the big 12 though. And so um, one that I saw last night who really just blew me away with the moment was AJ Ferrari, mm -hmm. uh, a, a true freshman who bounced back and forth between high school. He's from Texas and went, went to New Jersey for a little bit as well. Um, so he comes up, it's the second to last match of the night. And a, the Oklahoma state is trailing by four. They've won eight straight big 12 championships. Oklahoma hasn't won it since Oh two. So he's got to win with bonus to give Oklahoma state the, the undisputed championship. And it's like a mad scramble in the third period where he knows what the situation is. They had a replay review. He's flexing to the crowd. His dad is there. He's enthusiastic. Like for a guy who's at his first big 12 championship to meet the moment that way, and like it could come off as cocky to some people. I just love the confidence for a guy who's doing that in his first year at the most, you know, storied program in terms of national championships. So I just found that to be really cool. Um, you know, the, the way that he met that moment there. Um, an, an, another guy who uh, stood out to me was Parker Kekeisen at Northern Iowa at 84. Um, so, you know, that's a, a pretty impressive weight for them. You go back and look at Drew Foster, who was a national champion, mm -hmm. Taylor Luan, who was there as well. So they've won four straight. Um, I am interested in, in how Hayden Heidley does. Here's a guy who in his ACC career, not that he's necessarily under the radar, but in terms of trying to become a national champion, he went 29 and 0 in his ACC career. Nobody in his conference ever beat him. So that's a guy who definitely stands out to me. Um, and then another one too, who should get noticed too is Austin O'Connor, uh, North Carolina at 149. He's lost once in his last two seasons. Um, and he's been atop the rankings for most of the year. Um, but still not a program that gets as much recognition, even within their own conference relative to NC State uh, or Virginia Tech. So those are just a couple of guys that I, I, I have, will have my eye on. And you mentioned, um, Anthony, just uh, as we go around the horn there, we got the ACC and North Carolina State uh, uh, winning, um, I think it was their third straight um, uh, title there. And then uh, the Bedlam series, uh, the Bedlam guys tying OU and Oklahoma State and Arizona State uh, winning several in a row at Pac-12. Uh, but uh, the, the job that Brian Smith has done at Missouri, they've won their ninth straight MAC conference and 10th straight altogether because before they left the Big 12, they won 
the Big 12 championship and Missouri will have all 10 qualify for the NCAAs and uh, we'll be making some noise there too. But the, the reality of the situation is nine of the 10 uh, weight classes will probably have Big 10 wrestlers as the number one seed. So that tells you, um, I, I do believe they're a little top heavy this year, not as deep as they have been, but uh, obviously at the top, the Big 10 is the team uh, that's coming in with the most strength. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun tournament to watch, guys. I mean, you've given some great tips on who to look for and who to keep track of. The NCAA wrestling tournament, it's something that all wrestling fans look forward to every single year. It's circled on the calendar. And, you know, whenever I have an opportunity at my speaking events, I'm always telling people, you have to check this tournament out. You just have to experience. You have to watch it on TV. Go if you can. There's just so many things that I love about the sport and about the NCAA tournament. So uh, for those of people who haven't seen wrestling, who haven't been exposed to it, what is it that each of you love about covering this tournament the most? What's, what's the thing that just really just sticks out to you that you love and you just tell people, hey, you got to check this out because of this? I'll let you go, Mike, first. Well, I just want to say first that I take such a big responsibility in knowing, like you said, the number of people who are heavily invested in this event, because every year that I've been fortunate to do it, you know, it's, it is a massive crowd and it's not only in the arena, but you know, the night before we as a group get together for dinner and it's the one time that we might all be in the same place because there's so many rotating parts in the bowels of the arena and the TV trucks and getting to watch all the people who are gathered there as if it's a, a almost a, a Mecca-like trip for them each year to be able to get together with friends who, who maybe they've seen every year for decades or haven't seen in decades, and to watch the dedication of the wrestlers, too. I, I remember I got this assignment in 2017, and I had no familiarity with the sport, and so I was living in Chicago at the time, and I called up the SID at Northwestern, and I said, hey, can I just drive up for a night and sit next to you at a duel and just ask you a lot of stupid questions? And... So I did. And that was kind of my introduction to it. And that was where I started to understand the level of dedication that it takes to work in this sport. And now getting to know the backstories of the wrestlers and guys who have battled through injury. I, you know, the guy that comes to mind just from the, the other night in the Big 12s is Bula Wallen, who has, you know, he could come back for a seventh year if he wanted to. He's not going to, but it tells you how important the sport is. So the responsibility on my shoulders is knowing, especially this year, of being one of the voices to deliver for people who can't be there. When we're going to have reduced capacity this year, there's always going to be people who can't get tickets because they want to go, but they can't. Um, but this year being so different to be the megaphone for people of something that relative to football or basketball does not get the same coverage 365 days a year on TV to make it the best possible event and so this year one of the added things that we're going to be doing too and part of our coverage is a celebration of collegiate wrestling is what we're calling it so looking back at the history of the sport and going deeper and and and, and making it a comprehensive coverage for the three days that we're going to be on the air in st louis yeah um having wrestled um obviously it's been a big part of my life wrestled since i was young and high school and college and uh, then coaching in high school and then being involved in uh, the with USA Wrestling um, as an administrator and the Olympics in 1984 I got to direct those and and then uh, for 35 years now um, broadcasting and this will be my 18th NCAAs with ESPN and um, I'll tell you what the thing that sticks out in my mind is how real these three days are and 
how raw that can be. You know, I like to say life's hard and God's good and let's not get the two confused. And I'll tell you what, out of 330, there are 320 wrestlers that have to remember God's good because they just found out life was hard. And Anthony, I remember you, you were heartbroken because you came up short, even though you were, I mean, everybody's watching, but I think, did you get fourth your junior year? Seventh, fourth, my, my sophomore year, seventh, yes. my junior year. So seventh, I mean, that was not, that was uh, just not satisfactory at all for you. I remember watching you and uh, you came up short there and it's just life. And it's so, and so in other words, I hate the fact that there's so much heartbreak that weekend, but the reality is if heartbreak is going to stop you, okay, then you're not going to have a very fun life. And the name of your uh, podcast is indicative of who you are, Unstoppable. Well, why is that? Because you don't ever have any adversity in your life? (laughs) Well, we know that's not true. And so these guys have to, it's, I think you have to love wrestling to get started in it, in a sense. But you have to love it a different level to keep going. My favorite two words at my age are, you got to keep on, keep on. And I'll tell you what, Thursday, and I love the fact that it's a double elimination tournament, because you get the opportunity to, if you get beat, you get the opportunity to come back and make something and see what you're made of. And you got to keep on. And so, you know, I love and hate these three days at the same time. I really do because there's so much heartache, but I love seeing people overcome and work through adversity and you get a front row seat to that big time on those three days. And I know you can relate to that, Anthony. Oh, absolutely right. And you guys said it so well. I mean, it's like just one big family reunion. And one of the things I love is watching the wrestlers at the end when they step on the podium and they're 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 honored with the all-american status that national champion status just to see their faces how beat up how scratched and bruised they are yes. because you can just tell they battled for this for not just three days for this whole for their lives you know for that opportunity so it's a special moment it's a special three days and you guys you're 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 the best in the business so i know this tournament's going to be in great hands I wish I could be there with you, but like I said, I'll be cheering for him at my house here, yelling at the TV for you guys, and break a leg out there. I know you don't need any luck, so I'm not going to say good luck to you. Thanks, Anthony. Well, y'all hey, take thanks, care. Anthony. You're a tremendous ambassador for our sport and uh, a great inspiration. An honor to be with you. Oh, it's not to catch up with you, my friends. Y'all take care, all right? All right. Keep on. It was cool catching up with Mike and Tim as they prepare to cover the NCAA wrestling tournament, March 18th through the 20th. I know all you wrestling fans will be tuning in. Now, if you've never been introduced to the sport, I highly encourage you to check it out, especially Saturday night for the finals. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's special wrestling episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. Tune in next week as I bring you another incredible story of an unstoppable individual. Take care, everyone, and remember, be unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Safe Streets, the leader in smart home security and automation, and America's only ADT authorized provider. Safe Streets will help protect what you value most. Talk to an expert and get a free quote today. Call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233.
The Unstoppable Podcast is a production of Anthony Robles Enterprises, LLC, in partnership with A Really Good Home Podcasts. I'd like to thank my editor, Laura Batista, producer Katie Pulatunoff, and my senior producer, Andy Frazier. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, and remember, be unstoppable.